Amen. Thanks for singing out this morning. Welcome to Grace Church. My name is Justin Ross, one of the pastors here at Grace. We want to welcome you. It's great to have you. We are starting a brand new series today called Psalm 23. And uh, many of you have uh, most definitely heard this psalm. If not, um, many of you probably have it memorized. And uh, this psalm, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be diving into this psalm. It was a song written by the shepherd, David. And so we're going to look at this psalm from a shepherd's perspective. Uh, We're going to see through the lens of a shepherd. It's going to be taught from that perspective. And I, I want us to know this morning there's a little difficulty that arises when you teach on a very familiar portion of Scripture like Psalm 23 because many people, maybe many of us, have already drawn conclusions about this psalm. Like we already have preconceived ideas, pre- preconceived conclusions. We already have thoughts about what this psalm means and, and what, 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 it, what, it, uh, uh, what it stands for. You know, we, we already have ideas about this psalm. But I want to encourage us as we approach this section of scripture that we would look at it with fresh eyes, that we would uh, listen to it with fresh ears, that we would have open minds. And I believe that these verses that we're going to cover this morning, I believe that they're going to be exciting to us. They're going to be refreshing. And you're going to gain a new appreciation for this psalm. And so I know we uh, just invited you to sit, but I'm going to ask that you would stand back up this morning. And uh, I thought just uh, it would be powerful for us together as a congregation throughout this series to read this psalm together out loud. So the verses are going to be on, on the screen. And uh, I'll give us a little countdown so we're all uh, speaking at the same time. But I wanted to use this as an opportunity. If you don't have a Bible of your own, we encourage you to to get one. We want you to have a Bible. And so I want to invite you after the service to talk with me, talk with um, our volunteers at the Welcome Center, and just say, can I get a Bible? And we would love to get a Bible in your hand. But this psalm is right in the middle of your Bible, Psalm 23, and it says this. Let's read it together aloud. Three, two, one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you. You can be seated. I'm going to pray and just ask that God meets us here this morning. Father... I'm just always amazed how you use, uh, you use us, you use weak vessels like myself to communicate such powerful truths. And God, I pray, uh, Holy Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would take these words in Psalm 23 and you would penetrate our hearts and our minds and you would use these words to... Um, Help us know you better and to know your heart better. And I pray that when we leave here today, we'll be closer to you. We'll have a greater appreciation for you, Jesus, and that we'll leave here better for having been here. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, just curious, I mean, how many of you have heard, at least heard that psalm before? Okay? All right, maybe I should have asked it the other way. Has anybody not heard the psalm? No, you don't have to raise your hand, okay? I didn't want to single you out, because it would only be a few of us. It's, it's, it's a psalm that uh, many of us have heard. But I think when we read this, the first question that came to my mind was, who is the good shepherd? Who, who is David talking about? He is, he's a shepherd, but he's speaking from the perspective of a sheep. And he's talking about, the shepherd. So who is the good shepherd? Who is the Lord? What is his character? Does he have the credentials to be my shepherd, to be my Lord, to be my owner, 
if he does have the credentials, how does that affect me? How does that affect you? How do I come under the care of the good shepherd? I mean, the things that we read in those six simple verses are so fascinating and they're so powerful. And I think we would all want that. We, we all want our cups to be overflowing. We would all love to be able to have the confidence to set a table in the presence of our enemies. I mean, how amazing is that? But how do we come under this care of the good shepherd? These are penetrating searching questions, and they deserve honest and basic examination. So David, the author of Psalm 23, was also a shepherd. Later in his life, he became the king of Israel, and he was referred to as the shepherd king. And you're going to learn as we go out, go through this series that he had a heart for his people. He had a love for his people. They referred to him as the shepherd king. He starts by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. So once again, who is he talking about? He's talking about Jehovah. He's talking about the God of the scriptures. Many uh, years later, Jesus himself made this incredibly bold statement. He said, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And in his day, that's why people got so angry and so upset with him, because that was basically saying, I am the Lord. I am God. I am the good shepherd. And so who is this Christ? Who is this Jesus? You see, our view of Jesus is often too small. I'm going to just say that one more time. I believe our view of Jesus Christ is far too often very, very small. The Apostle Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, that Jesus was directly responsible for the creation of all things, both natural and supernatural. And I think if we pause long enough to reflect on the person of Jesus Christ, to reflect on his power, to reflect on his achievements, his humility, to reflect on his love, suddenly, like David, I believe we will gladly come to the place where we too will say, the Lord, he is my shepherd. He is my shepherd. Let's try to better understand the part of history the part of our history, yours and mine, that has been played by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Let's be clear, when we're talking about the Good Shepherd, it's referring to Jesus Christ, but we uh, understand that God is triune. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and yet they're all one. You see, God the Father is God the author. He is the originator of, of all that exists. It was in his mind first that everything took shape. God the Father is God the author. God the Son, our Savior, is God the artist. He is the creator of all that exists. He brought into reality all that had originally originally been formulated in the mind of his Father. Jesus is God the artist. And God, the Holy Spirit, is God the agent. You see, Holy Spirit brings the fullness of God into both uh, my mind and my heart. My spiritual understanding is awakened by the Holy Spirit so that God becomes real and relational to me as an individual, like a friend, like a really, really, really good friend. The beautiful relationship we see between God and his people are shown to us through the lens of a father to his children or a shepherd to his sheep. And so when you hear the phrase, the Lord is my shepherd, it's speaking about a profound, personal, loving relationship between a human being and his or her maker. It connects a lump of common clay, you and I, a divine destiny. It means mere mortals become the cherished focus of the divine, triune, all-powerful God. It's miraculous. It's amazing. This thought alone, realizing that the God of the universe loves and cares about me, I mean, it should stir my spirit. It should fire up my soul that God cares about 
about me. God cares about you. This realization gives enormous dignity, gives incredible value and worth to myself as an individual, to you and your life. You were made on purpose. You have great value. To think that God in Christ is deeply concerned about me as an individual immediately gives great purpose and enormous meaning to my short existence upon this planet. Scripture says our lives are but like a vapor. A vapor, you know. It just comes out pretty solid and then it just disappears. Our lives, they just come and go so fast. But because of God's incredible love for us, those vapors have incredible meaning and worth, and value. You see, the reality is, the greater, the wider my view of Jesus, the more vital, the more alive my relationship to Him will be. The bigger your view of Jesus Christ, the bigger your faith, the bigger your relationship. Do you have too small of a view of Jesus? Obviously, David is speaking from the perspective of sheep, and Even though he was a shepherd himself, he spoke with a strong sense of pride and devotion and admiration about the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we live in such an incredibly beautiful place here in Colorado. There was a bunch of folks from Grace Church that went jeeping this weekend. I saw some pictures. They had all their jeeps lined up and... I was super jealous. I was envious. I was sinning, okay, looking at that picture because I was hoping that I could have been there with you. But Colorado is such an incredible place because we can look up into the night sky, when you're, especially when you're out in the country or up on top of a mountain, and you see stars everywhere. And some of you are shaking your heads because you're like, yeah, it's amazing. It's so beautiful. You know, when I look up and I see all the stars, it often reminds me, of the majesty and the might of our God. Man, looking up, I'm reminded that there are 250 million times 250 million such stars. 250 million times 250 million. And I think there's more than that. I'm reminded that Our sun, the sun that heats our planet, is actually one of the smallest of those stars. Each of these stars have been scattered across the vast universe by the hand of God. And I'm reminded that this planet that I live on, my temporary home, uh, that, you know, I'm going to be on this planet for just a few short years, but this planet is so tiny, it's so little, so minute. A little speck of matter in space. Here's the deal. If it were possible, okay, kind of use your imagination with me for just a moment. If it were possible to get the most powerful telescope and transport it to the nearest neighboring star, the closest star to our planet, Alpha Centauri. Okay, let's pretend like we're standing on that star now and we have the most powerful telescope and we try to look back And and if we tried to look back and see planet Earth, we would not be able to see us. That's how tiny we are. That's how minute, that's how small. Even with the aid of such a powerful telescope. If you're kind of a prideful, arrogant individual, that should humble you a little bit, okay? You're, You're tiny. Your big ego should probably dissipate. I'm a little mite of material in the vast universe. Yet Christ, the creator of the universe, that is overwhelming in magnitude, he delights to call himself my shepherd. And he showers me with his affection and with his attention. On the flip side, if you were to go home after church this afternoon and you were going to go into your backyard and you just scooped up a handful of dirt... And you took that dirt and you placed it under a microscope, you would discover billions and billions of microorganisms. Some of them so complex in their own cellular structure that even a fraction of their functions in the earth are not yet properly understood. 
just a little handful of dirt, we, we can't even quite, we can't even get close to figuring it out. Yet Jesus Christ, the Son of God, brought all of this into being. He created it all. He designed it. He made it happen. And from the most gigantic galaxy to the smallest microbe, Jesus had a hand in it all. Now, now here's the crazy part. This is, this is crazy. All of this universe, this, these planets, this dirt, these microbes, they all function flawlessly. They all function in unity. It's beyond the mind of finite man to master or to fully comprehend. And it gets even better. This Jesus, this, this good shepherd, he demonstrated his desire. He showed his heart to have men and women and children come under his benevolent care. And he loves you so, so much. He loves you so much that he absorbed the penalty of our brokenness at Calvary on the cross. Isaiah, he was an Old Testament prophet. He said this in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6. And let me remind you that when Isaiah wrote this, this was uh, 400 years before Jesus uh, came to earth. But he said, all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him, speaking of Jesus, the sins of us all. He was prophesying. He was foretelling. He was, he was predicting the future about Jesus Christ coming to give his life. This is why Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 11, he said, I am the good shepherd And the good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep. You know, we told you when we started this series that we're going to relate the good shepherd to spiritual leadership in the church. What's fascinating to me is the role of a pastor or the role of an elder or a leader in the church is referred to as a shepherd. And let's make one thing crystal clear as we get into this this morning. A shepherd, a pastor, or an elder is not anywhere close to the good shepherd. Okay? I I need to make sure you understand this. So if you could just nod your head. I'm going to say it one more time because this is so important. A pastor, an elder, a leader, a teacher is nowhere close to the good shepherd. Yes, I like seeing some heads nodding. All right? Good, good. But here's what's crazy. In God's design for the church, He has called pastors and elders and teachers and leaders to shepherd, to care, to lead his people. It's crazy. It's crazy. Throughout this series, you're going to see some great examples of what spiritual leadership or what spiritual shepherding should look like. And let me just say, it should look like the good shepherd. And Jesus himself said, the good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. Man, you want to be a leader? You want to be a pastor? You want to be an elder in the church? Start by dying to yourself. Are you willing to lay your life down for those that you lead, for those that you love, for those that you're ministering to? That's that's the ground floor. That's the standard that Jesus set. You know, here at Grace Church, we, we currently have four elder couples that are serving as, uh, you know, providing spiritual oversight for the direction and the vision and the ministry of Grace Church. And two elder couples recently stepped away from serving in the role of, of elder for, for different reasons. And I actually, this morning, I want to invite uh, Kyle Hansen. He's one of our elders, and he's going to come up here this morning, and he's going to talk a little bit more about this. Um, and then I'm going to... Uh, come up after he shares with us this morning. If you guys would welcome Kyle to the stage, I'd appreciate it. Yep. Thanks, Grace Church. Good to see you guys this morning. Uh, we have a, a set of core values at Grace Church, and one of those is, is transparency. And, and I think that um, all of us sometimes believe that transparency 
is me being open. You can ask me anything. You can kind of go anywhere. But I think we also realize that sometimes people don't even know what to ask. And so we wanted to make sure that as we talk about, like, why are we, why are we talking about elders? Why are we talking about leadership in the church? And how can we learn about this together? That it's probably good to just share um, where things are at a little bit. So, um, so I'm going to read uh, a little statement, and, and then I'm going to pray for us. But this is just hopefully to kind of get us all on the same page and to give you a chance to ask um, even better questions if you do have questions. In today's world, a willingness to faithfully serve in the church doesn't always result in decades of dedication. And you're going to see that the Etz family is probably going to pop up here and the LaFrance families. The LaFrance families, um, the LaFrance family was with us for 14 years um, in a position of service and um, in eldership as part of the elder team. And John and Etz were elders for 19 years. We're, we're an elder couple for ni- 19 years. It's crazy. So whether it was small groups, deacon ministry, children's ministry, missions, the elder team, um, and, and from both of those couples, I really appreciate their intense focus on prayer. I think that they were always some of the first people to say, we just really need to get on our knees. That's always such a, a better place to seek what the Lord wants is from your knees than from your feet. So while growing together is a good thing, growth doesn't always happen in the same way. And I think this is the key. And it never, we don't get unchanging roles in the church. God calls us to different things at different times based on where we're at. Our stories change. We start families. We send families off. We, we, we go through transition. And, and as Grace Church, we have to pick a direction. So we have this, I think, very powerful vision of imperfect people leveraging everything for those far from Jesus. And why I think it's powerful is because when we, when we start with imperfect people, it's because if we don't start from a position of humility, realizing that we cannot do this on our own, our imperfect nature is what necessitated the Good Shepherd and his sacrifice. So we don't do anything. We don't pursue anyone. We don't go after the lost, and we don't try and live out the gospel in our lives if we haven't first started with an understanding of why we need Jesus. And, and I would encourage you all um, every day, right? We, we die to ourselves, and if you've never died to yourself or realized how badly you need to that, it's a good place to start. So, but as we try and figure that out, we try and say, man, the, ch- the role of the church is equipping people and we really need to be making an impact for the people that are far from Jesus or have stepped away from Jesus in this region. It changes the way that church looks in some ways. And we're really challenged as a, as a leadership group and as a church body, I think, to be honest and say, we, we can't always do everything the same way. And we can't always do it our, um, the same way in our own lives. So in January, the Etz family stepped down as an elder couple after years of faithful service to the body of grace, I talked about they were here for 19 years as an elder couple, and they've stepped away from that role, but stepped into other roles. We honored the Etz family for their service a couple of years ago, and it's really fun to see them moving in different directions and using their gifts in a new way. Over the past three months, John has had some serious health complications and we would ask that you continue to pray for John's health. Pray for healing, that God would bless he and Deneen with many more wonderful years of service together. And more recently, Jen and Lucas LaFrance chose to step away from leadership at Grace as well. And over the past year, God helped the LaFrance family grow a specific and focused passion on the role of healing in our lives. This calling to devote themselves to understanding and ministering with a focus on healing cause them to reevaluate their existing commitments. We all have much to learn about the nature of our God, and we know that as Grace Church is busy seeking the Holy Spirit around how church should look different to achieve our vision, the LaFrance family should feel freedom and community as they passionately pursue God's revelations around the role of healing in their lives. Both pursuits are important and God-honoring. Neither wrong, we wish the LaFrance family fruitful revelation and a blessed ministry as they move on with a different church body that's more closely aligned to the vision of their family. So we just want to make sure that we, 
none of us, as a church, none of us as, as individuals can ever be everything to everyone. And, and we, we don't want to try. We don't want you to believe that you have to look one way or, or act a certain way or have one specific vision. But we do think that God has given us the body of Christ in all of its different ways of approaching and focusing and living and leading because he's made us in his image and he is infinitely complex and has many different aspects to his nature. So so I want to pray just, you can see, if we've had um, two elder couples step away, we have four and we have an ever-growing church, we need... We need more leaders. We need more shepherds and people that are willing to step into that role. So much of what you're hearing and why we're studying this is because we want to make sure that we have a good representation of the body of Christ helping us think about priorities and make good decisions and and helping us make sure that we're focusing in the places that we need to focus. So, Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to serve. God, thank you for the humbling responsibility. Um, but thank you for the clarity of feeling like once we have given up and we've realized that our existence is not about us and it's about you glorified in us, that, God, you grant a, a satisfaction and a peace that comes from nowhere else. We pray that that peace would be upon each of the folks that are here this morning, and we pray your guidance and um, and we trust, Father, that you're going to raise the right folks up um, to, to replace the shepherds that have left for different reasons. We thank you and we praise you for the service of those shepherds. We thank you for the Etz family, for the LaFrance family. God, we pray that you would bless all of their endeavors moving forward, Father, and that you would just use the body of Christ, not only Grace Church, but every person who calls you Lord and Savior to change this region for your glory and Um, God, we just pray that your redemptive spirit would free more and more people um, in this area. Through your holy name, amen. 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 Thanks, God. Thank you. Appreciate it. So over the past few months, uh, the elder team has been working on a process of elder selection here at Grace Church. And I actually want to invite you. Um, after the service today, um, many of you have probably walked by the pastor team office in the cafe. We actually have it displayed, what the process is going to look like. And I don't want you to feel like that office is like holy ground, like you, you're not allowed in there. We welcome you to come in, ask questions, um, to look at that process. We're really excited about it. Um, but uh, we are going to, um, in two weeks, so on Sunday, August 25th, we're going to ask you the members of Grace Church, to nominate some new elder couples to serve alongside the four others that are, that are currently serving here at Grace. So on Sunday, August 25th, um, we're going to have different ways for you to be able to uh, nominate elder couples to serve, and we want you to be involved in that process. We want you to have ownership in that, and that's why we're teaching this series so that you can better understand what is a biblical shepherd supposed to to do? How are they supposed to function? Um, what, what, what is their role? And uh, so we're going to do that on Sunday, August 25th. So I want you to be praying. Um, we've been praying uh, for many months already, and we're going to continue to pray that God raises the, uh, the right uh, people to help oversee and to help lead um, this church forward spiritually into an incredible future. So on the 25th, you're going to help us by recommending elders to serve and, uh, man, Kyle already prayed for that, and I really appreciate your words, Kyle. Thank you. So um, let's continue on uh, back to Psalm 23. Back to Psalm 23. We see that David uses the example of sheep, okay? I don't know about you, but it's a little bit humbling to be compared to sheep. <laughs> it really is. Why are we compared to sheep? Okay? Once again... From a shepherd's perspective, a shepherd truly cares for his sheep. And as the owner, the shepherd continually lays down his life for his sheep, especially if they're going to be healthy, if they're going to flourish, if they're going to prosper. So let's learn some things this morning from sheep, 
Okay, let's learn a few things. Sheep, if you, if you haven't noticed this, um, man, whenever they do, uh, you know, they run the sheep downtown Bayfield, you know, I, it's, or when you get stuck in a traffic jam behind a herd of sheep, um, it's always fascinating to me. But sheep just don't take care of themselves. They don't take care of themselves. They need guidance. They need a shepherd. Sheep require, catch this, they require more than any other class of livestock. They are the most needy livestock on the planet. Okay? More than cows. Okay? More than any other livestock, they are incredibly needy. They need constant attention, meticulous care. Maybe we can begin to better understand why we need elders and pastors and teachers and leaders. You see, the, the good shepherd was and is tender and gentle and true and righteous and holy and loving and understanding. While at the same time, he will correct and he's willing to do the hard things. He's willing to, to lead even in the hard directions to make sure that the sheep have the best chance possible to succeed in their faith. And in their life. Why the example of sheep? Because the behavior of sheep and the behavior of humans is very similar. Okay? Um, Sheep are both fearful and timid. They're very needy. Sheep are incredibly stubborn. Um, They're creatures of habit. Sheep have uh, mass or mob instincts. Okay? They, They follow wherever... Uh, kind of the mass is going. Sheep, if they get too much wool and they fall over on their back, they cannot get up themselves. And they will die. They will die that way. Just kicking and screaming, you know. <laughs> so a shepherd has to come and pick up the sheep and put it back on its feet. And then sometimes the shepherd has to shear the sheep so it won't fall on its back again. Incredibly crazy similarities, Okay. Yet despite all these adverse characteristics, okay, Christ chose us. In spite of our stubbornness, in spite of our unwillingness to follow at times, in spite of our neediness and our fearfulness, Christ chose us. He bought us with His own blood. He cares for us. He calls us by name. A good shepherd knows his sheep and calls them by name. Christ knows us by name, calls us by name. He makes us his own and he delights in caring for us. So why the example of a shepherd? You see, a good shepherd is always alert to care for his flock. And I love how Kyle was sharing about the Etts and the LaFrances. And I've, I've expressed many times um, and I will express again my deep friendship with John and Deneen and my friendship with Lucas and Jen. And they, they gave incredible care, meticulous care. They cared deeply about this congregation. John and Deneen still serving. You'll see them downstairs ministering to the children. All right, They're not in the elder role, but they're still serving in, in other roles. But they had a deep love for you. They had a deep love for this congregation and that's why they were able to serve for 19 years, for 14 years. Because they loved you. They loved this church. They had a heart for its people. You see, a good shepherd is always alert to care for his flock. You see, a good shepherd rises up early and he goes out first thing in the morning to look over his flock to see if there's any like laying on their back, you know, kicking and screaming. And he'll go and put them back on their feet. He's looking to see if there's any sick sheep or any sheep that have wandered away and might be lost. And he will go after that one sheep. He examines his sheep to see if they're healthy and content and able to be on their feet. Often, throughout the day, a good shepherd looks over his flock to make sure all is well. At the same time, at night, a good shepherd sleeps with one eye open and both ears open, always attuned to what's going on with the flock. He's always ready, even at the smallest sign of trouble, to leap up and to protect his flock. This should be a pattern of spiritual leadership. These are examples of spiritual leadership. 
leaders, elders, pastors who serve, who care, who genuinely care for and love uh, the people. This is how they, man, this is how they should function. Constantly aware of the state of the flock. You know, when you commit, and we've asked you, we're, we're not shy about this. We ask you, when you come to Grace, you're kind of checking out, man, is this the church I want to be a part of? We invite you to go to this class called Discovering Grace, where we let you know where we're going and what we're all about. And we ask you to commit. Like, I'm going to commit to use my giftings and my talents and my abilities and my resources. and my, I'm going to commit to this church to serve here. And when you commit to be under the care and the spiritual oversight of the elders here at Grace Church, it does not mean that your freedom goes away. We have a weird mentality, I think, in our culture today that if you're under authority, that means your freedom is gone. But I think about a child that's under the authority of a parent. Man, that, that's necessary. It's, it's absolutely necessary, and it's no different in the church. It does not mean that your freedoms go away. On the contrary, as an elder team, what we're trying to do is we're trying to pour fuel on your callings. We're trying to pour fuel on your dreams and what God is stirring in your heart. We're trying to pour fuel on the ideas that God is stirring in your hearts and we are there to coach and to cover you with prayer and to cheer you on. And most of the time, we're there to just get out of your way. Because God is going to use you, the ministers, to do incredible work in this region. You see, for a shepherd, there's no greater reward, there's no deeper satisfaction than seeing the sheep under his care well-fed, safe, and flourishing. And this is the life of a shepherd. He gives all he has to this effort. He will go to, to no end of trouble and labor to supply his sheep with the finest grazing, to make sure that they have ample food for the winter, and to make sure that they have clean water. He'll do everything he can to provide shelter from the storms, to protect from ruthless enemies and diseases and parasites that sheep can be very susceptible to. You see, Jesus used the example of a shepherd because a shepherd leads his sheep. Okay? Even though I kind of want to be, I'm not a cowboy. You see, a cowboy drives the cattle, but a shepherd leads his sheep. Okay? Sheep willingly follow a good shepherd because there has been a relationship of trust built. They trust where that shepherd is leading. And that's why Paul was able to say with incredible boldness, he said, follow me, as I follow after Jesus Christ. How many of you, like in a, just in a friendship, would have the boldness to go up to a young man or a young lady and say, hey, I want you to be a husband like I'm a husband. I want you to model my husbandship. I want you to be a father like I'm a father. Come on, follow me, and I'll show you how to be a father. I mean, could you have that kind of boldness? Could you have the kind of boldness to say, hey, I want you to be an employee like I'm an employee. I want, I want to show you how to work. I want to show you how to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus. I want you to model after my relationship with Christ. I want you to do what I'm doing. That's exactly what Paul said when he said, follow me as I follow after Christ. I want you to do what I do. I want you to live the way I live because I believe I'm pursuing Christ wholeheartedly and I want the same for you. Man, can we have that kind of boldness? I hope we could. I hope that you could say of your pastor, of your elders, man, I, I actually want to model after their spiritual life. I want to model after their uh, relationship as a husband and wife. I kind of want to model after their family. Like, man, it seems like they're not perfect. I know that. But, man, it seems like they're going the right direction, and that's towards Jesus Christ. And let me say something really bold. If you cannot come to that conclusion then I think you should find a new pastor and a new church and new leaders to follow. You need that level of fellowship. You need to have that level of trust, that level of relationship. Jesus used the example of a shepherd because a shepherd leads his sheep. And this is, this is really important. Sheep willingly follow. But let's be honest. Being under spiritual guidance 
being under the spiritual care of an elder or a pastor. It's a risk, okay? I'm just going to be honest with you. It is a risk. I could go off the rails at any moment and make this church look incredibly bad and make you look incredibly bad because you go to this church, okay? It's a risk. But last I checked, anything worthwhile that is worth doing involves some risk. Like getting married. You don't know if it's going to work out. It was taking a risk. Like having a child. Man, it, it's full of risks. But you do it because you know it's going to be worth it. You know the benefit is going to outweigh the risk. And so I encourage you this morning to don't be afraid to step in and to take that risk to say, man, I want to grow in my faith. I want to be a part of a community. I want to be connected to other believers. And I'm going to take the risk to be a part of a church, to be under the care and the guidance of spiritual leadership because I want to flourish. And I believe this is God's plan for his people. I'm going to commit to it. It's worth the risk. You know, in conclusion, I just want to ask you three questions. The first one is, can you honestly and sincerely say, like just you personally, don't think about anybody else, but can you honestly and sincerely say, the Lord is my shepherd? Lord is my shepherd. And I, I will follow him wherever he goes. The second question I want to ask, it's kind of similar to the first, but I want to ask, do you belong to him? Are you in his flock? Are you under his care? Do you belong to the good shepherd? And then lastly, I just want to ask, are you willing to submit to his guidance, to his plan? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Incredible section of scripture. I'm going to close in prayer. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. Father, I pray for the elder selection process here at Grace Church. I pray that your hand of blessing and favor would be upon it. And Lord, that you would um, and help us as a body to, uh, to pursue after you wholeheartedly. Father, thank you for this song from David. And I pray that man, it would just fire us up. It would awaken, uh, awaken us within and help us to submit to your guidance, to your plan. Help us to come to that place where we can truly say, the Lord is my shepherd. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite Brooke to come on up and she's going to close us out with some announcements and with prayer. Let's give Brooke a round of applause, please. Thanks.
as I started meeting with these women, they were sitting in my chair and I was grabbing their hand and I was massaging their hand and there was a part of it that was really uncomfortable in the beginning. By the second lady that I was able to start figuring out how to massage and connect with, I really had this this particular lady open up to me and she talked about how her husband was last week caught in an affair and how that affair led her to um, figuring out how she had to move out of her home, how she had to get her children placed, and more importantly, what else happened that week if she was diagnosed with MS. And so as I'm doing her nails and she is basically weeping, there was a connection that I thought of of somebody else who was serving in GLOW that was in the room, but she was serving in a different area. And so I just went over to her and I said, I know that God has healed you in parts of your sickness um, over the last 10 years. Would you be willing to come and pray for this lady? So this lady within our church came over to this just broken-hearted woman and held her hand and so graciously sat there and listened to this woman who was clearly feeling broken and out of control and ministered to her. And what happened after that was they connected. I'm not sure what God will do with that story, but I know that the power of touch played a part in it. The connection of our church body knowing one another and most importantly let's just love others the way we would want to be loved because in that transference of vulnerability and compassion we not only learn about ourselves but people understand human connection and might just feel safe enough to walk through those doors on sunday actually put glow perfectly it's about relationship is why we do it um Um, anyways but it is october 5th i'll get to the basics get over the tears um and it's from 10 to 4 and it's cool it's super cool because we get to do that um and it's about relationship with people but there's so many areas to serve it takes about 30 to 35 volunteers to really make it go well. Um, I mean, God can do anything, but that's what we've needed in the past is about 35 women to volunteer to do nails, to do hair, massage, makeup, um, child care, food, um, a lot of different areas. So I'll be um, in the back if you have questions, if you want to volunteer. And you don't have to be a professional. The only thing we ask you to be a professional for is to cut hair. Um, other than that, you know, God gives us everything that we need. <laughs> Except for maybe this gilded cut hair. Um, so to me, I just wanted to read Isaiah 61 because it's kind of the essence of glow to me. I won't read the whole thing, just a few verses. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To comfort all who mourn and to console those who mourn in Zion and to give them beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise. For the spirit of heaviness and it glow, you get to see this. You get to see it all around the room. And so for anybody that's nervous or wants to cry, um, Isaiah 61 says the spirit of the Lord God is upon you. So we get to do that. We get the spirit of the Lord God to be upon us, to hold that hand, to massage that hand, to hear tough stories, to pull people aside and pray. And the past two years, amazing things have happened. I mean, in areas that you wouldn't even imagine, in connections you couldn't possibly put together without the Holy Spirit. So if you want to serve, I totally encourage you to because it's an amazing opportunity. So 
come chat with me after the service. And so on to announcements. Oh, and the other thing we need is clothes. So if you have clothes that you're getting rid of, don't take them to the thrift store. I'll take them for you. So there's that plug. And then the GLS was a huge success. We got to attend that um, on Thursday and Friday, and they had the most attendance that they've had, 150, including the volunteers. Um, Just amazing, encouraging um, teaching went on through the days, and I know a lot of people were impacted by that. So just ask prayer for continue. They're going to continue this ministry for the next nine months through over 100 different international locations. So just continue to pray for the GLS to be impactful there. And if you missed out or if you are already rearing to go for next year, you can register um, right now already for the lowest price that is available. So you can go online and register at the GLS already for next year. Um, And then the last announcement is G-Kids is having a – I missed my notes on this one, but I think a glow-in-the-dark party next Sunday – yeah, okay. <laughs> I believe it's next Sunday. So um, G-Kids show up in white clothes, um, neon clothes, and they're going to have a fun little um, back-to-school party downstairs next Sunday. Okay, I think that's it. Brooke, do you mind Do you mind closing us out in prayer? Okay, that would be awesome. Sure. That would be awesome. Thank you. Lord God, I thank you that you are such a good shepherd to us. I thank you, Lord, that you truly are the shepherd of our souls. Um, I just pray that he would go out from this week and be comforted in the fact that you do turn us back on our feet, that you do condition our hearts, that you do create us into the leaders that you have called us to be. And um, you equip us with everything that we need, Lord. And I pray that we would be challenged by the fact that you say, be people who can ask those to come alongside and follow you in a godly manner, Lord. Help us to um, check our lives and check our hearts in that area and lay the things at your feet that we wouldn't want people to follow after, that we couldn't lay out in the light and say, hey, follow after me as I follow Christ. Um, So I just pray that you would refine us in that area and we would be equipped to follow after you wholeheartedly and bring those others along with us. Um, Yeah, we just praise you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Tim